I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Step Over Pod, where nothing at all has changed and everything is completely as it was for the first 67 episodes. I am Jim Adair. With me as always is Max Rappaport. Max, how are you doing? I'm feeling very normal, Jim. Super normal. Nothing is different at all. Nothing weird at all. Nothing weird, nothing strange, nothing odd, nothing different. Very normal, as you can tell by how many times we're saying how normal it is. Um, so with that out of the way, Max, you want to talk about the changes? Yeah, sure. Let's talk about the changes to the podcast. Let's talk about the changes. Um, yeah. So as of this episode, we are very excited to announce that we have joined SB Nation. Um, we're going to be part of a uh, team of Philly podcast, uh, Philly sports podcasts that includes uh, pods on Bleeding Green Nation, Liberty Ballers, uh, The Good Fight, and Broad Street Hockey. Um, right now, we're the flagship show uh, on Liberty Ballers podcast. Um there might be some more shows being added in the future, uh, down the line, closer to the season. Uh, for right now, basically uh, everything remains the same in terms of uh, the feed. It'll just be our podcast for now. Like I said, there might be some stuff added in the future. Um, but basically, uh, we've joined and we're really excited about it. Uh, I think one thing that will be really positive about this is that it'll force us to be less bad about uh, never recording podcasts, which is yes. um, a big detriment to our podcast, the fact that we don't record podcasts. Uh, I would say less bad, but not quite good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah. It's been about a month since our last podcast. Uh, we started as a weekly podcast, and that really fell off uh, sometime around the time I moved to Seattle. Uh, so we're, Yeah, it was your fault, man. Yeah, it's all my fault, for sure. Um, And then we haven't done one since I visited you in Seattle, so I feel like that's also your fault. That's also true. Uh, The city has tainted me. (laughs) I I think, though, a a positive aspect of this is it's going to keep us honest. Uh, So our plan, the the goal is to record uh, every other week during the offseason, plus... um, if anything comes up, any kind of emergency podcast. And then once the season starts, we'll be recording weekly, uh, plus any emergency podcasts when other players uh, suffer acute Jones fractures, mm-hmm. uh, as as can happen. Right, yeah. Uh, our plan right now is to record uh, for release on Friday mornings. And we kind of want to get a sense from listeners about how they feel about that. Uh, to this point, we've never really picked a consistent day. It's always just been like when we can, when we feel like it. Uh, but we'd like it to be a little bit more professional now that we're like actually joining a real thing. And it's not just the two of us uh, talking into a mic and putting it up whenever. Um, yeah. Ham-handedly. So definitely like tweet at us, uh, either of our individual Twitter accounts or, or at the, the Step Over Pod on Twitter and let us know like what works best for you or when you listen to podcasts. Cause that would actually be really helpful. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll put up a poll or something too, which we should be helpful. Um, yeah. I will, I will say this. I mean, we are definitely want to hear when you're most likely to listen, when you, you know, at what point in the week you're, you want to listen to whatever. Uh, I say right off the bat, Saturdays and Sundays are not going to work uh, for multiple reasons. So no weekends, man. Also, what are you doing? Listen to podcasts on the weekends, hang out with people, get outside time. Get outside. Get outside and listen to our podcast outdoors, but the one that we put up a couple days before that. That's what you do on weekends. This is going off very well. I'm, I'm sure SB Nation's super happy with how the first three and a half minutes of the Step Over Pod on uh, they made, Liberty They Ballers made their bed, man. They made their bed. Yep. This is, this nothing, is what, nothing they can do about it now. This is what this they is very, for. This is very on brand for us, all of this. I don't know why I just said brand like that. It's weird. <laughs> so, Incredible uh, content. Yeah, this is great content. So uh, to wrap wrap it up, uh, important stuff to know. If you are already subscribed to the Step Over Pod on whatever podcast app you use, uh, you will now be subscribed to Liberty Ballers. Um, if you weren't subscribed and you just find our, our podcast as they come up on Twitter, you can still find them that way, but we'd love it if you subscribed. Uh, you can just search Liberty Ballers, whether it's uh, the podcast app on, on Apple uh, Stitcher, whatever you use, just search Liberty Ballers. You'll see it there. 
and you can subscribe. Also, if you want to leave us uh, a rating and a review, that'd be awesome because we're kind of starting from scratch there. We had, yeah. uh, I think, if, if it wasn't over 100, it was close to 100 uh, reviews, and uh, some of them are really funny. So if you want to jump in, if you already gave us a review, feel free to just write a sentence or two. If you haven't, that'd be cool if you did that too. Uh, helps people find the podcast. Also, we mm-hmm. enjoy seeing them uh, and getting validated that way. Yeah, I will say if you're going to write a review, don't do it just now. Give us like a, give us like another like 10, 15 minutes before you tell us how terrible we are at this. Yeah, let, let's this first yeah. episode marinate a little bit on the feed yeah. before you do that, before you hit the one star. But Yeah, exactly. That'd be better for all of us. Um, other thing important to note, but uh, podcast is free as always. Uh, that won't change at all. The only thing that will change is that you may hear some minimal ad breaks throughout the podcast, uh, just a couple per episode. So nothing, nothing major. But uh, we're a real podcast now. Yeah, it's exciting. We're we're uh, we're big boys now. <laughs> sort of. This is great. Yeah, not really. Um, anyway, so let's get to non-podcast talk and actual basketball talk, shall we? Yeah, let's get to the depressing Sixers stuff that's happened in yeah. the last month. Starting off on a great note, Zaire Smith's foot exploded uh, and is out for, you know, basing upon Sixers injury history, he'll be out for, I think, uh, 8 to 12 seasons, right? Um, they, they, so they, say it's a, they say it's a 12-week injury, but uh, Sixers dozen is is uh, more, <laughs> more 12 months. Yeah, a Sixers dozen. I like that, a Sixers dozen. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Zaire Smith broke his foot in Las Vegas, um, not the way most people, I assume, break their feet in Vegas. Yeah, he was actually doing basketball things. Uh, he has an acute Jones fracture. Which, um, if you want to have a fun, a fun uh, post pod listening, go back to our emergency pod. I don't have the number offhand um, from what we recorded after Ben Simmons broke his foot when we thought it was uh, what's the other kind of break called? Not a Jones fracture. Oh man, I this is like all that information that during that that frantic forty eight hours when you hear about a sex yeah. injury, you do all this WebMD research and it goes completely out out your head like yeah a day later. Um, yeah. uh, avulsion fracture? Yes, no, an avulsion, no, it was an avulsion. It was an avulsion injury. Avulsion? Yeah. Fra- wow, I can't believe I pulled that. Go back, go back and listen to that. I listened to a little bit of it the days that your Smith broke his foot, and it is hilarious because. The, the, the two medical professionals who listen to us right now are like yelling into their into their yeah, car staring out, telling us it's not an avulsion fracture. Well, we because we kept we kept saying that the rumor was it was an avulsion, so we're like it's not like it's a Jones fracture. And then I, I blatantly said my exact quote was it's not like he's going to miss the whole season. So we're probably wrong about this one too. But yeah, uh, Zaire Smith broke his foot. Uh, unlike the Simmons injury, uh, it was um, pre-training camp. Because if you remember, Ben Simmons broke his foot like, what, like a week and a half to two weeks before the season started. Uh, Smith has already had the surgery. He hurt himself about a little bit over two months out of the season. So that's, you know, recovery time right there that, you know, Simmons had to do that recovery time during the season. He ended up missing the whole year anyway. Um, But it does change things. I mean, again, Zaire Smith versus Ben Simmons, there's a, a big gulf there in... Talent level, importance to the team, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas Simmons missing that full year changed the entire season. Zaire Smith missing, you know, say a couple of months, even up to the full season, doesn't completely fracture this team, but it's still not exciting. Uh, So, Max, what do you think is going to be the biggest difference, other than no Zaire Smith on the floor, uh, that this injury does to this team? Well, I think it really, it, it does hurt depth a lot. I think a lot is Absolutely. now going to come down to Markel Fultz and what he looks like coming into the season. And if he's what you hope he is and he's able to step in, whether that's off the bench or in a starting role and, and play 25, 30 good minutes and you can rely on that, like mm-hmm. then you're fine. Then you, between Ben Simmons, TJ McConnell, Markel Fultz, JJ Redick, you're fine there. Like that, that's a fine backcourt group. Right. And, um, and that's if they don't do anything like there was a talk about them trading Jared Bayless and some sort of other incentive to get Kyle Korver. Uh, Jamal Crawford's been rumored as, as some sort of pickup, probably with the MLE they still have. Um, but if they don't do that and you're stuck with Jared Bayless, who's probably not going to play uh, if, if he's just wasting away on the bench or they'll cut him or, or reach a buyout, 
and Landry Shamit, who I don't really expect to to play a big role um, this season. Mm-hmm. If Marco Fultz isn't that, if if for whatever reason there's an injury or he just comes back and the shot still looks exactly like it did before, maybe he's more of a like 15, 20 minute. I think even in that case, he's probably still playing some sort of role off the bench without Zaire Smith and Marco yeah. Bellinelli on the team. But um, that's that's rough. You know, it's like then you're you're looking at TJ McConnell as your your backup point guard, which is fine, but you're really in a position where it's Redick and and Fultz as your like you know whatever you want to say if you want to call him a two guard um your other backcourt guys who aren't McConnell and Simmons so I I just I don't feel great about that um I I thought Zaire Smith gave you a nice like uh kind of glue guy where you knew he he could at least defend and you Mm -hmm. know backdoor cuts and whatever else and you could just like insert him for whatever number of minutes you needed whether that was like right spot minutes the way they did with tlc last year where some games he plays 10 minutes sometimes not at all or 20 minutes a game or whatever and you felt pretty good about that now you're in a position where it's like you really need faults to look decent or you're one injury away from being in pretty bad shape right i mean you look at you know zaire smith has his defense as a calling card and you would hope the offense comes around or you can build whatever um but i think we can probably both agree that if you're, you know, essentially a replacement level player, uh, you do better. You help a team more by being better at defense than offense, right? Uh, especially if you know if you're coming in fourth, fifth guy off the bench, and you're a solid defender, you're helping the team a lot more than if you're fourth, fifth guy off the bench, and you can kind of score, but you can't defend. And that's what you're left with now because you're left with, um, essentially, <laughs> you have Furkan Korkmaz and Landry Shamit there, kind of comboing to probably still not play a ton of minutes, but now they're filling a role uh, that is more than they would have had to fill with Zaire Smith getting zero minutes. Um, it'll be interesting to see. It's going to be weird because, you know, if this had happened a week into the season or a month into this season, you could see how the rotations change, but now you don't know, like, you don't know what the rotation plan was, how many minutes Zaire was supposed to get versus whatever. So instead of, you know, just subbing in someone like a Shamit or a Quark Moss for those minutes, they might just extend the minutes of McConnell and Fultz and just kind of, you know, do some slightly odd rotations, slightly odd lineups to kind of cover that up. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see. It's a, I feel like Brett Brown never has his lack of uh, coaching puzzles to get through uh, with having some kind of a general idea of what his team's going to look like and then have a wrench thrown into that. Uh, every single year for five years running, that is basically what his job has been. Uh but yeah, it's me. It's me. Interesting. It's like I said. It's not like as brutal of a hit as it is losing someone like a Simmons. Um, but I don't know. I was I was getting excited for him. I know it's like uh, it's not the sexiest pick in the world. And it's not the sexiest player in the world. But you know, it's been a while since we've had a, a rookie who is kind of in that sweet spot of like not crazy high expectations. You're a top three pick, and not no expectations because our second rounder probably stink. So. I was kind of excited to, you know, have that pick, which, like, that's usually just the pick of, like, a contending team, right? Like, that guy who comes in, you know, late lottery or just past the lottery uh, who can help you out uh, but isn't, like, taking a ton of weight on his shoulders because you're a good team and you get that pick there and he kind of just gives that little extra bump. Uh, and missing that is going to be a little bit of a bummer. But it's still going to be interesting. I mean, you're you're it's a lot of, you know... No new friends this year. The lineup is pretty similar with some, you know, interesting grab bag of additions to Mike Mascala and Wilson Chandler. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that all works out. But, yeah, I was, I was kind of excited to see him come in and, and, and play. But So that's about a bummer. But as far as we could tell with Simmons, at least, if you heal up and you get rested and you heal right, it doesn't affect you. It doesn't seem to be a problem to bother Ben Simmons at all. Joel Embiid has not been bothered by his foot injury uh, since he took the two years off because of it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fine look to the future. Uh, I don't, I'm not worried about his long-term uh, health, but it is just a bummer. Yeah, I, I feel the same way, and it's, it's I think it's overall okay. I mean, you look at the way they started last year in terms of their rotation, and, like, TLC and Justin Anderson of Jared Bayless are playing, like, pretty decent minutes every night like you were right. leaning on them night in and night out to play yeah. to play a role on the team and like they're in a better position now just because they have Wilson Chandler 
even Mike Muscala, to be honest, like mm-hmm. because they have Amir Johnson back and Jonah, in addition to Jonah Bolden, and just like are they're just in a better position generally. I think this is the one one spot where they come in and, and you feel like okay, this is a this is a weakness, right? Like right. if you if you you're one injury away from it being a real weakness for you. Um, but again, that's really only assuming Markel Fultz uh, falters. Because I think right. if he doesn't, you're you're almost in a position where TJ McConnell is bumped out. So yeah. if you want to just give Zaire Smith minutes to TJ McConnell and have him and Fultz on the floor at the same time in whatever way you – like if Fultz can shoot, then I think that works. Right. Um, but so th- I, I think it could be fine. I, I think also there's there's a, a part of it. I'll let you say what you're going to say too. But I think there's a part of it too where it's like if this had happened to Mikhail Bridges – I would feel worse because you drafted Mikael Bridges. Uh, you would have drafted Mikael Bridges in large part to like come in this this year and be able to play a role. Right. Um, with Zaire Smith, you had lower expectations, even though he looked good and showed flashes in summer league, and you heard good things about him. But um, there's a lot that he still needs to work on. Uh, most importantly, his jumper. So if this is like I guess real silver lining stuff, but if they're able to take the time. Uh, like they've done with other players in the past, especially Embiid being the the biggest case, and just like work on different aspects of his game that are weaknesses before mm-hmm. he comes back. Like that's not the worst thing in the world that it's a guy like Zaire Smith and not someone who's more plug and play. Right. Uh, I will say now it's the third. This is now the third straight off season where you and I have had the conversation of I'm not sure if they'll be able to find minutes for TJ McConnell, <laughs> and he always proves he's wrong. finding a way. He's finding a way. Uh, I did want to say, since you mentioned TLC, um, the last time we had this podcast was the night before um, I left and got on a plane to come visit you in Seattle. And you said, since we hadn't potted in a while, that with our luck, as soon as the podcast went up, they would make some kind of trade. And I corrected you and said, no, it's going to happen when I'm in the air. And what happened, Max? I believe the Sixers made two trades while you were in the air. That is true. They made the TLC trade while I was barely out of Pennsylvania airspace. And I landed and turned my phone on, and it vibrated for a good 15 minutes straight, I think. Because I also had my Twitter notifications on, and it was just getting them all at once. And then they also traded Rashawn Holmes when I was at out in Seattle as well. Yeah, that was that was sad. And then there was also the rumor about Kyle Korver. They they could have pulled off three trades in yeah. the course of your flight, basically. I think, but we we I have to go back now. I have to just live on an airplane. I think, I think so. That's the thing. It's, it's a nightmare, um, but uh, for the good yeah. of the team, you'll do it. I don't like flying. Flying is an ad, absolute nightmare. Um, so also in the uh, four and a half years we took off between podcasts, uh, about a week ago ish. Uh, the NBA's regular season schedule was released. Um, we had heard rumblings. I think me and actually we actually discussed while we were in Seattle about how uh, there were rumblings that they were going to play on Christmas Day again. We were talking about who they would probably play. Uh, we were talking about if they would play on like the opening night uh, of the season. Both of those things turned out to be accurate, and both of those games turned out to be at Boston, um, which is interesting i want to ask you about that i know it's like that's less of league choice and more of like for example the christmas game can't be in philadelphia because of disney on ice um are you do you think it's good are you just happy to be in a marquee position again where you're having uh the 5 30 p.m christmas day game and you're the opening game to the nba season or are you at a point now where like yeah that's nice and all but like i wish one of those was at home I'm just I'm just happy that that they are on national TV as much as they are. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, like I, w- I would have liked if the opener had been at home, that would have been awesome. I get why the Christmas it's because of the Disney on Ice thing, which is like crazy to me. The Disney on Ice uh, gets gets preferential treatment over the the uh, Sixers and Flyers, but I guess I understand why because it's literally a Christmas show. Yeah. Um, but. I was I was just excited that they're playing as many national games, twenty seven national games, uh, which is insane because it, I think another twelve on NBA TV. An, yeah, and another twelve. Basically, half their schedule is on either NBA TV or um, TNT, ABC, ESPN. Yeah, uh, which will make things interesting um, 
as a League Pass subscriber, uh, out-of-market League Pass subscriber in Seattle, uh, what I want to do this year, because I'll still do League Pass, but uh, honestly, those NBA TV games suck for me. I would rather them never play on NBA TV and and those games just be local because they get blacked out on League Pass, uh, but also you can't stream NBA TV like anywhere. So... Um, oh, I didn't that, know that. That's a bu- it's a it's a bummer. I mean, yeah. I can find the games, obviously, but uh, that's not as fun. Um, I I think overall, I'm pretty happy about the schedule in general. Like, I think mm-hmm. they they start out with a pretty easy slate of games, um, and then they end the year pretty favorably as well, kind of similar mm-hmm. to last year. And you know, so they start out the year. I'll just rattle some of them off. Uh, Boston, which is going to be tough, then but then Chicago, Orlando, Detroit, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Atlanta, Toronto, Clippers, Detroit, Brooklyn, Indiana, Charlotte, Memphis, Miami, Orlando. I mean, like that's what the first 18, 17 games. I mean, that's yep. that's basically you're looking at Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, uh, Indiana, and. Maybe Miami. I don't really see Miami I mean, that way. But that's like four. Four of those games are like, ooh, those are tough games. And one of them is Milwaukee. That, then you have Utah. We're not, not going to go game by game this year. But then you have yeah. Utah. Then you have Charlotte, Phoenix, New Orleans, Cleveland, Brooklyn, Knicks, yeah, uh, wow. Wizards, yeah, Grizzlies, and then you have Toronto again. And you're all of a sudden you're at December fifth. Yeah, and, and yeah. I feel like in in recent years it's been the opposite, where the Sixers have kind of had a brutal start, whether because of uh, a lot of back-to-backs or just tough, a tough open to the schedule mm-hmm. or whatever. I think last year, they, I seem to remember their first five games being pretty rough. But um, it's an opportunity to start off strong and yep. kind of hit the ground running. And then, like, obviously, at the end of the year, you want your schedule to be pretty lax. Right. Um, really, the toughest part, a lot of people have pointed out, there's a there's a 13-game uh, a stretch from uh, yeah max by a lot of people pointed that out do you mean i pointed it out and a lot of people quote tweeted me no i didn't is I didn't that what you that. mean no yeah i got i i didn't know i did did you go vi is that what you're saying you went viral no i kind of went soft viral with a christine flowers tweet today but that's not neither here nor there <laughs> um yeah that no that yeah that's so that's a stretch where um from the 15th of january to the 12th of february which is really going to put the january sixers uh to the test uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 13 games there. Uh, two are not on national TV if you count NBA TV. Uh, and they're packed in there. They're not packed in there too tight. I don't think there's actually – there's no back-to-backs on that stretch, uh, which is nice. But you have Minnesota, Indiana, Oklahoma City, Houston, San Antonio, Denver, Lakers, Warriors, Kings, T- Toronto, Denver again, Lakers again, Boston. That's that's crazy. That's a crazy stretch. I mean, the basically, only games that aren't national. Oh, go ahead. The only games that aren't national are Denver Part One and Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, Sacramento. Obviously, that's you know you expect that to be a win. Denver's whatever. I mean, they're they're fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Antonio. I have no idea what they're going to be like this year. But then the rest of those teams are like, they're basically they range from like Minnesota, Indiana teams, like forty-five ish yeah. win teams. To like the top teams in the league or teams that yeah. will probably be up there. Um, also worth pointing out because I when I even when I tweeted this I didn't realize this exact note um, that at Golden State game is ten thirty p.m. on New Year's Eve. Really? So that's seven thirty p.m. for you. Didn't they play? They played late on New Year's Eve last year too, didn't they? I can't remember if they, they did last did. year. Huh? Wait. So they're playing. Um, they're playing New Year's Eve and New Year's Day then. So no, they're playing. Right? They, they play. They, no, they play the thirty first and then they play February second. Oh no, sorry, I'm looking at January thirty first. Never mind, I'm messing my days up, my years up. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that's good that you said that because I already yeah. planned a trip to L A for uh, January first games. You scared me for a second thinking. I no, I'm sorry. I, what I forgot to mention is that uh, I follow this religion that celebrates New Year's on January thirty first. Mm. I should have mentioned that off the top. That's why. I was speaking like that. I forgot that not everyone follows the same religion as me. Understandable. Um, mm-hmm, that yeah. Uh, I yeah. guess to, to wrap it up, unless you have anything else, I think going over just those lap, that end of the schedule, I think is 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 pretty exciting to look at too. Um, so the last fifteen games of the year, you have Cleveland, Sacramento, Milwaukee, Charlotte, Boston, 
Atlanta, Orlando, Brooklyn, Minnesota, Dallas, Atlanta, Milwaukee, Chicago, Miami, Chicago. Like that's and this is like prime tank time too. Mm-hmm. This is this is when Chicago who you're playing two times uh Sacramento I guess doesn't have any incentive to tank but they'll just be bad. Um yep. probably Atlanta, Orlando, um Dallas and even like Charlotte maybe and Brooklyn are all teams that you just anticipate either being bad or like actively at that point really putting the the pedal to the metal in terms of tanking. So yeah. That's that's really nice. And I will say uh last year it was really notable that the Sixers were done with their West Coast road obligations in December essentially. It was like January 4th was like their last West Coast. Yeah. It was like their last 10:30 game. Uh this year it stretched a little bit further but they're done with the West Coast uh road games February 2nd against Sacramento. Mm. And then the furthest west they go after that is Oklahoma City. That is really nice, actually. Or Houston, whichever one's further west. I don't that's have my good, that's a good world question, map actually. in front of me. That's like a sporkle quiz. Yeah. But, I mean, it, yeah, basically there's no game later than... There's a 9.30 game in that stretch, but other than that. Also, just I, just, I want to just make a point of this, uh, which I enjoy, and I think I, I've been saying this for years, that... At this point, especially now in 2018, the NBA should not fear the NFL. Uh, I think during the NFL season, the NBA should put Sunday afternoon games on, uh, which they still aren't doing a ton of as far as I can tell. But they're doing more Sunday afternoon games anyway. Uh, The Sixers have, just looking at their schedule really quickly, uh, one Sunday at 6 in November... Uh, another Sunday at six later in November, another one right after that. Then you have a three thirty in December. Uh, there's a, there's a one o'clock in there against the Knicks. Those are just great. I love having the full. There's a three thirty against the Lakers. That's here, uh, which is nice. Um, yeah, I just think you know weekend day basketball is fantastic. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I am the director of Fun and Games for Broad Street Hockey Radio Podcasts. And I am Kelly, the deputy managing editor of BroadStreetHockey.com. I'm Steph Driver, the NHL editorial manager for SB Nation. And I am Charlie O'Connor, lead Flyers writer for TheAthletic.com. And together we make up BSH Radio, one of the shows that you get at the SB Nation podcast family. We have a lot coming to you this year, and we want you to listen to our show. It is just an all-flyers, all-the-time show, so much content. I really hope you listen to it. It is a great piece of the SB Nation podcast family, along with all your other favorite sports. We all love hockey, specifically the Flyers. Let's go the Flyers. The hockey team of Flyers. Yeah, I feel like I don't have a lot more to say about the schedule, but I think something that is interesting, uh, sort of schedule-related, uh, it's just the over-under uh, was set for the Sixers. And I haven't gone through mm-hmm. the schedule and, like, given my – I don't think it's really valuable, but I haven't, like, gone through and checked what's in my head about an over-under against the actual schedule. Right. Um, but they set it at 54.5, which feels high. To me, I think it's it's the third or it's the third or fourth highest in the league, which just shows you. And I think I think a symptom it's a symptom of how well they did against the over under last year. That people who are going to bet it this year are going to probably strongly bet the over, so that's why it's bumped up higher because they did so well against it last year. But I think they're probably. I mean, the odds people who set odds know what they're doing, um, and they know where people are going to bet, and also how a team will perform typically. And I think this probably a, it's, a, it's a pretty on-the-money number, I think. I guess so. It just feels, So they won 51 last year, right? And 51 or 52? 52. 52. Um, they won 52 last year, and they won 17 straight games to end the year. Like 18. 18. I'm under, underselling them in both regards. Uh, I just think it's really hard to win that many games like the fact that they had to win 18 straight to end the year uh to get to 52 i think just right. tells you like how difficult it is like how well you have to play and it wasn't like they started off the year so poorly or had such a terrible stretch like they were a couple games three or four games under 500 like at their worst last year right and then won 18 straight at the end of the year and still ended up with 52 like 
55 plus is really difficult, and I just don't know if they'll get there. And I, I think we've said this kind of before that like they could win 50 games next year, or 49 games, or 51 games, and it still could be a successful season. Like they don't need to improve right. on last year's win total for next season to be a success. I think it's about how they look once they get to the playoffs next year or right. this coming season. But like I, I just think expecting that kind of like incremental increase, I just don't know if that's there. And I, I mean, I think I think it's I don't know. I I, I guess I always have this reaction to Vegas over unders that I just feel like they're always a little bit higher than I, I feel like they should be. Um, usually don't feel like they're too low. That's that's rarely my reaction. Right. Um, but I think that's just a little bridge. I, I would definitely go the under on that. I would feel much more confident that they will have a good season but not surpass 54 and a half than, than that they'll go over that. Yeah, a lot of people last year, a lot of people last year in the national, in different national outlets, seemed to think that last year's over under mark was crazy high and talked about how the under was an easy bet and made were made fools of um, but yeah, I think we've discussed this before where it's entirely possible where the team is better this season and looks better this season, but still comes with fewer wins just because they might not rattle off those 18 in a row to end the season. You know, they might not be, they might be above 500 at Christmas, which I believe at Christmas last year, they were a 500 team. Um, so they might be better in better shape, like throughout the year, but not only they're going to rattle off eight, if they rattle off 18 in a row again, that's shocking. Um, but it just seems unlikely. Uh, Especially, you know, there's more film on Simmons and Embiid now and everything, too. Um, Speaking of the over-unders, just uh, in the same kind of idea, MVP odds were also released, I believe, yesterday or today. Um, They have Embiid at 16-1 to and Simmons at 35-1. to I don't think either of them will be the MVP this year, although if you drop, you know, 30 bucks on that Embiid bet, it's probably not the worst bet in the world. Uh... And who knows? Maybe Meta World Peace did that because Meta World Peace said that Joel Embiid will be the MVP this year. And if no, if people, you know, who is the NBA's Nostradamus if not Meta World Peace? So true. So who who were leading the odds if you remember? Um, I th- I just had them in front of me. Let me pull that up just, again. Great just, podcasting, yeah, everyone, this is what all around. Love is uh us scrambling on the computer to pull up information. I, I just feel like oh, man. sixteen people, to one. If people knew how how long we were just not recording for, I, I just asked because sixteen to one sounds pretty decent. Like that sounds pretty high, yeah. given that it's it's it an is. award where you're, it's you against the field. Yes, uh, it is. Let's see, LeBron ten to three, Anthony Davis four to one, Giannis nine to two, Harden eleven to two, Durant nine to one, Kawhi eleven to one, Russ fourteen to one, Steph fifteen to one, Embiid and Kyrie are both sixteen to one. That's shocking that Steph is fifteen. And then to one right, wait, and... right, right below, right below Embiid and Kyrie is Simmons at thirty-five to one. So he's the next next best odds behind Kyrie. I feel Embiid. like that's that's bizarre because I feel like I see some of those guys as having such a better chance. Like Steph, for example, if like Katie went down with an injury at some point in the year and the Warriors still won right. 68 games and Steph Curry was awesome. Like, yes. They, he could easily win MVP. That just seems silly to me. Mm-hmm. I feel like Embiid or Simmons would have to do so much. Um, right. And the, the Sixers would just have to – I think that's the scenario where they win like 58, 60 games. And Embiid, mm. I think Embiid and Simmons are going to be awesome next year. Like I, 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 especially with Embiid coming off a healthy year and how good he was at the end of last year. Like I'm pretty confident about that, but I don't think the Sixers will be an MVP caliber team. Like I don't think they'll be good no, enough for people to look at them and say, "Oh, whoever was the best player on that team should be the MVP." Right. Which is, I mean, that's basically what the rest of the list behind Simmons is: is guys who could ha- could put in. You know, either guys who are good but not great or guys who could put in statistically, you know, MVP-esque years, but the team's just not good enough. You got, you know, Damian Lillard, Cat, DeMar DeRozan, John Wall, Donovan Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely. A little bit of a hot... Lonzo Ball's odds are 450 to 1. <laughs> what's LeBron? What's I'll put LeBron a dollar on that. Said? LeBron is at 10 to 3. See, I, I actually think this is maybe a hot take. I think Embiid has better chances of winning the MVP than LeBron does. I I strongly. Disagree. I don't think the team. I don't think the Lakers are going to win enough games, and I think that 
there's there's matter. a fatigue with LeBron anyway, even when he's been like fucking awesome on good I teams. Think, no, I people think this don't want to vote turns. for him for MVP. I just think he would have to pull them to like 55 wins for for him to. Be I think MVP. this is where that turns. Yeah, because you know there are people who have argued over you know the last eight years or whatever that in in not in every year but in a lot of years the MVP is really best non-LeBron player right uh and I think this year I mean I don't think he was the MVP last year although he was close I don't think the year before that was close I think this might you might be the year it changes because although the Lakers as constructed might not actually be worse than the Cavs as constructed with LeBron there the like the general idea is that they are because they're younger and they were kind of you know mishmashy last year I think the general consensus among you know national people is that this Lakers team with LeBron is worse than the Cavs team with LeBron which I think is just completely untrue um but I think there's kind of a general idea of that plus he's a year older plus there's the whole Lakers you know name name and lights kind of deal which no one really cares about um that's another hot. That's a hot take that I have. That large market versus small market doesn't matter in 2018. None of it matters. We all have the internet. We all see all the games. It doesn't matter. The market size does not matter at all. Um, but in a lot of people's minds, it still does. So I don't, I don't think that's. I think LeBron has a much much better shot than you. You could almost argue that like the the bigger factor than market size is time zone. That that like the Washington Wizards, like it, playing for the Washington Wizards and playing at 7.30 or 7 o'clock on the East Coast most nights or 8 o'clock uh, is, more, is more of an impact on like how much recognition you get, how much people see you than like what market you're in. If it's a West Coast market, but, uh, that I mean, is the Warriors, only... people don't get to watch as many Warriors games as they should because they're playing at 10.30 every night. If you're a national writer and you have a vote for those awards... That's not an excuse. Oh, of course it's not. But I mean, like, look at the people who vote for national awards. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's just, I mean, that's the state of it. But that shouldn't be an excuse at all. Um, you got anything else before we go on the uh, questions? Well, there, one very important topic is... Uh, oh, I, I just deleted this from my list. I, you know, you can talk <laughs> about it. So, uh, as has been, like... Uh, a burning question amongst Sixers Twitter, NBA Twitter, uh, handedness Twitter, the the question of Ben Simmons, whether he is a lefty or a righty, who shoots lefty, uh, does pretty much everything else righty, and obviously isn't a very good shooter and doesn't really attempt many jump shots um, with his left hand. So there's been an ongoing question. Uh, Mark Stein reported kind of as a throwaway in a column he wrote, um, that he said something along the lines of like, you know, some are expecting Simmons to shoot with, you know, to, to switch handedness. They were talking about, I think it was a list of the best lefties in the league. And he put Simmons on it and then made some sort of throwaway comment at the end about like, but maybe he won't be on there if, if what hap- what many expect to happen, him switching hands happens in the near future. And then people ran with that and Dime tweeted out a, st- a link to a story that kind of was a, uh, this thing they put together based on that, that comment by Stein, uh, Ben Simmons replies to it with like a crying, laughing emoji. Um, but then it kind of fueled the fire that's already out there. Like there was earlier this year, he threw a baseball at a, at a opening, opening pitch at a Phillies game and threw it right-handed and threw it pretty well uh, with his right hand. He, like I said, he like, I'm pretty sure he writes right-handed. He usually finishes layups right-handed. He passes most often right-handed, uh, and last night on the Late Late Show with James Corden, where he was a guest, at one point he was talking about how as a baby he used to shoot his binky into the uh, into the sink. And when he mimicked the shooting motion, he did it with his right hand, which got people thinking like, ooh, maybe he is working on a right-handed shot, or maybe that is more natural for him. Uh, I kind of believe it. I, b- I believe the, the right-hand Ben Simmons stuff. Like, I do think he probably should have been a righty. I think the question is, like... You're a hand I'm a hand truther. Um, mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I will not be silenced. Uh, and and my, my kind will not be silenced. I, I feel like... You'll be kicked off of Facebook, but you can I'll still... stay on Twitter, Twitter, of course. Um, so, 
what I think is that there's a question. There's like two things. There's one: is it true? Like, it was he destined to be a righty, and and just for whatever reason, the only person uh, in the world who went the other direction. Most often, it's like someone who was supposed to be a lefty and was trained to be a righty because that's what most people are. Uh, this would be a very weird situation where a natural righty was made to shoot left-handed for some weird reason. Um, but if you believe that, that's like one thing. But then there's also like, okay, well, is it? best to just work on what he's got or to like undo everything and start over and if he hasn't done if he didn't take that year off and do it i just kind of doubt that he's going to do it now like he had a full year off from basketball where he could have just done that he could have done it at lsu if he wanted and still been the number one overall pick probably um the fact that he hasn't done it to this point makes me think like okay it's august we haven't seen him do it i guess we haven't seen him shoot a basketball in a while since may but the idea that he's going to take mm-hmm. June, July, August, September, and then come back to training camp after four months with a right-handed jumper, um, I find that hard to believe. Also, I don't think he would have right. put the crying, laughing emoji reply to Dime if he, in fact, was going to come back in a month and be shooting that way. Right. I have three distinct points to make on the matter. Mm-hmm. The first being that James Corden is the single hammiest dude on the entire planet. It's really ridiculous. Second, uh when Ben Simmons mimed throwing his uh, pacifier into the sink, it was really more of a Joachim Noah jump shot, where it was kind of a chest pass. Sure, the right hand was maybe slightly stronger, but it wasn't really a great shot motion anyway. And third is, I think the whole conversation over his handedness is kind of a a, a small-scale example of something that happens on the internet, internet a lot, where people started discussing whether he's a righty or a lefty. And they started talking about it more and more. And then amongst talking about it, they decided that he was a righty. And then after deciding he was a righty, decided that he will be working on it and come back as a righty. All with absolutely zero evidence any of this was happening. Where people talk and they have these conversations, they kind of talk themselves into circles and just decide that it is fact and it is happening with absolutely zero evidence to it. And that's what's happening here. If you want to, if if, you, if you think he's a righty and you think he should be working on it, then that's one thing. But to like tell yourself that it's happening in the face of zero evidence that any of it is happening is yes. kind of insane. That's insane to me too. Um, I will say that. Uh, so my dad is legitimately ambidextrous. I'm actually really jealous of it. It's it's pretty awesome. But he can throw a football, shoot a basketball, do kind of anything equally with both hands, which is pretty cool. It's actually, it would be a huge advantage. Yeah. I mean, obviously like a lot of baseball players have that. Um, and there are some, and I mean, Ben Simmons is kind of one of them. Like he can do most yeah, he's things amphibious. with both hands. He's amphibious. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have that unfortunately, but I do have a lot of just like useless, weird stuff. Like I cut my meat with my left hand, even though I'm right-handed, I blow my nose. If I'm picking up a tissue always with my left hand with my right hand, I'm like useless and snot gets all over my face. Uh, I usually drink like a cup. I will use my left hand for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I when I pass a basketball, usually I've realized I'm left hand dominant. If I'm if I'm doing like an over the head pass, my left is what leads. I can't shoot a basketball that way at all. I can't finish. I can never finish a left hand layup. It's always righty. I'm like the reverse Tony Roden, like going up with these like ridiculous having to do ridiculous things with my body <laughs> to, to only use my right hand. Yep. Um, so I kind of relate. And maybe that's what it is for Ben Simmons where like, yeah, there are a lot of things that are just more comfortable for him to do righty, but shooting a basketball is not one of them. And like shooting a basketball being different than like a floater, which, which he often does with his right hand, right. finishing a layup, which is really different. Like there's just a different, everything's different about it. Your footwork's different, the way your body's positioned, the kind of arm motion that it is. So like, I guess I can understand that. And maybe, maybe he is not truly a lefty. Like I think, that's pretty obvious that he's if he's throwing a baseball right-handed, he's not a true lefty. But that doesn't mean that because he does that right-handed that he definitely is a right-handed shooter. Yeah. I just think it's that I, I kind of believe it just because it's that combined with the fact that he can't shoot and his and his form looks bad. His form looks like if I tried to to learn how to shoot with the left like with my left hand, right. it would just look awkward and stiff, and I'd probably shoot like Ben Simmons. Right. Yeah, I just don't. I just think uh, it's not. I don't think he's going to do it. I don't think he's going to do it either. And also, Ben Simmons seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't do it. Yeah. Which is, like, yeah. 
I don't know. I just get I just get the sense that he does not want to give in to that. Also, um, just as a and, and as take a, a huge and take a huge step back. Like it's a huge step right. back for his game to just, just like, completely blow up everything. Feel free to yell at me on Twitter if you think this is an insane statement. But if he naturally if he if he personally feels more natural shooting left handed, which seems to be the case because he chooses to shoot left handed, wouldn't it be easier to help him get better at shooting left handed than to teach him to shoot right handed? It just seems like common sense. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. Make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed. All right. You want to take some questions now? Yeah. Um, cool. Would you want to start us off? Or I have, I have a couple in front of me. I have but... a couple. I'm going to ask a real dumb one first. Yeah. Sean O'Connor asked, now that he lives in Philly in the offseason and got engaged in Rittenhouse, is Nick Stauskas a Philadelphian? We are apparently the arbiters of Jondom, So. Yeah. I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I, I think it's fair because, like, you know, what, what was he, 18 when he left uh, Mississauga or whatever, that neighborhood outside or the suburb of Toronto, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm pretty sure he lived for his whole life before that. Then moved to Michigan, Ann Arbor, went to Michigan. Uh, then he was, like, bouncing around, whatever. But, like, I feel like you could – it's where you're from is one thing, but I think you can choose to live somewhere as an adult, as oh, a yeah. young adult, and – have that be your place. Like, it's not where you're from, but it's where you, like, you can still claim that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's different than being from somewhere. It's different than having gone to high school there or having grown up there right. or having your parents be from there. But I think he's as much of a Philadelphian as, like, any anyone else who moves there and lives there as an adult. The minute he showed After, up in the Shyamalan seats for a playoff game, he was a tried and true Philadelphian. The fact, yeah, the fact that he shows up to Sixers games, even though he, as an NBA player for another team, that he was like coming to like every playoff game, yeah. is pretty awesome. Just as a fan, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Chris Minara or Minera asked, um, "This is, I guess, just for me. Talk about your most embarrassing or funny moment working for the Sixers." Is it the one that I know? Um, I it has to be it, I, my best. My best story by far. I have a, I have a few good ones, um, but. I think my best. Wait, one, before you start it, can I even, guess it just so we can see? Yeah, is it the Luke and Bob Mute story? It's not. Oh no! I, I, I know. Um, I feel like I feel like I don't want to blow up Luke Bamute's spot that's with fine. that one. Maybe maybe for another pod. That's also that's but, that, um, that's just kind of funny. It's not like there's nothing. He doesn't do anything bad. It's just funny. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Not, nothing terrible. It's just funny. Uh, a funny interaction, but also feel like. Uh, less the one I'm gonna say is one that people know about because it was like on air. Mm. Uh, but my second season working for the Sixers, uh, second maybe th- third season probably working for the Sixers it was the first Sam Hinkie year. So my third season it would have been. Um, I it's media day before training camp, the day before training camp opens, uh, and we're running a live broadcast. This is like when Periscope didn't exist. Facebook Live wasn't a thing. You had to have like a TriCaster, like a legitimate like TriCaster and camera to, to stream anything live. Mm-hmm. Um, so not a lot of people were watching this. And thankfully, this was like a time I'm pretty sure when like it was pretty hard to share videos to Twitter. It was hard to like screen grab stuff uh, other than just like um, to, to put up on YouTube. Uh, so somebody did, did grab this video and it's on YouTube. It's like, has a, it, people, it's gotten deleted a few times. So you have to like really look for it, but it was media day. We were like interviewing players as they came by. It was a real like slapdick, slapdick operation. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have any like bumper graphics. It was just like when the players weren't there, the, the, the camera was on, but the mic was off and we were just kind of waiting around. And then we get to Evan Turner and he comes over and I don't know what they told him about what we were doing, but clearly, like, nothing was communicated to him. Because <laughs> he comes over, and he sits down, and, like, as we're about to set up, he just, like, turns on the microphone, which had been sitting on the chair he was going to sit on, off, turned off. He turns it on, puts his mouth up to it, and just goes, Motherfucker! <laughs> 
and he holds it. He holds it for so long. It felt like an eternity <laughs> sitting next to him and knowing that he was on live. He was like, Aah. and then he's like, yeah. And then I was like, and you can hear on the video, uh, Jerry Rizzo, who was the guy behind the camera was like you're you're live and and he's like oh word really <laughs> and then like uh, and, but then the best part of it is like and i'm trying to like play it off i i like at first i didn't really hear what he was saying and then like kind of realized he was like he must have been doing something bad i didn't even know that he had said motherfucker but i knew he had said something bad just by like the look on jerry's face and the fact that he was like into the mic um but then the best part was when jerry said you're live and he's like oh really and then he was like so everyone just heard me say motherfucker. Like he repeats it again. <laughs> and then and then we just like do and then he's like, ah, all right, let's go. And then I just like try to play it cool and start the interview. That was like probably my favorite one. Uh try to find that on YouTube. If you just look up like Evan Turner Media Day Sixers, you'll probably find it. Wow, that's incredible. I can't believe I didn't know that. I, I can't believe I didn't tell you that story. Oh, that's great. I think it's better than the Luke Bamute story. Yeah, which we'll keep secret for now. If you run into Max on the streets of Seattle, ask him about Luke Bamute. Um, I have a question here. I think it's a fairly yeah. easy one to answer. I'm going to interested in, in the thinking, seeing what you think. Uh, ben Dunst asked, "Would you rather Embiid post up every possession for the rest of time, or only take that pretty like roughly 16 footer for the rest of time?" I kind of want the the sixteen footer. I'd be really well, sad the to post never off. see the sixteen footer again. But the post up, he'll get. He constantly will draw more fouls on. That's true. And it collapses the defenses more and opens up more shooters. The the sixteen footer though, it's like so he can nice. play until he's like sixty five. True. Like he could just keep doing that. That's yeah. all he's doing. Like he'll never get hurt. Yeah. Uh, just watch him do. Just be dirt. Right. Basically. Yeah. It is a very In nice perpetuity. shot, but I think it, the post up is the move. Yeah. Um. Walk with Lyle asked, uh, do you think Simmons will attempt, not make, but attempt at least 23s in the half court within the flow of the offense? And I don't, I don't mean last second heaves with the shot clock running down. Uh, I mean, there's no rush to shoot, but he takes it. So that would be one. If he plays the whole season, that's about one every four games right. that he's taking. I say yes. I kind of think so, too. Because they're going to give it to him. And he's not going to not shoot it again. Right? Well, he's going to be shooting righty now, so obviously he'll want to get his reps <laughs> he's, up. He's going to be shooting you know, having, underhand. Having never taken a right-handed jumper before. He's going to be shooting underhand from the three-point three line. But yeah, no, I mean, 20 is a, not a large number. Um, well, remember, I remember this was a funny over-under. I think the number was 50 uh, going into Embiid's rookie year. that Somebody asked us, his, his first year playing, so his third season. Um, I think the question was, how many three-point attempts will Joel Embiid have over under? And the number was set at 50, and we both said under. Yeah. We are like, yeah, maybe he gets close to that. He, like, made, like, 153s that year yeah. in, like, 50 games. Uh, so we were way off on that. Um, 20, 20 is pretty easy to get to. You have one game where you take three of them, and you're, you know, right. a seventh of the way there. Let's pull up. Amir Johnson attempted 32 threes last year. And that felt that felt like not very many, but yeah. I remember each and every one of them. Yes. Uh, let's see who else was down. That's there. a that's a really good. I feel like that's a good. Taj brother. Gibson shot thirty five. Jonas Valanciunas attempted seventy four threes. That's that's nuts. I had no idea. Yeah. I, I feel like it, Amir Johnson's a really good barometer because I feel like that's exactly the type of three it's going to be. Like Amir Johnson only took those flow those flow of the offense. Like it gets to him on a swing, and he's just so open that he has to take it threes. And that's what I think Simmons is like. Maybe those are only in the corner. Maybe they're, you know, just when he gets it swung to the top of the key and nobody's on him. Maybe it's even just like, I feel like a late shot clock three should count if it's not a heave. Right. Right. Like if it's, if it gets to him and he feels comfortable pulling up, like last year he wouldn't do that. He would like try to, try to squeeze in a pass to somebody with like a second and a half on the shot clock. So JJ Reddick right. could like toss something up. Yeah. So Ben Simmons technically attempted 11. They were all heaves last year. Um, I so I can't tell from looking at basketball reference how many of these other players' ones were heaves, but Larry Nance attempted twelve. Uh, Robin Lopez attempted fourteen. Timothy Mozgov attempted eighteen. Uh, Zuki, who played how many games last year? Uh, he attempted nineteen and eighteen games. Uh. 
Aaron Baines only attempted 21 until he hit every single one of them possible in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I think 20 is a, you know, it's a low number. I think he'll hit 20. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, Rashawn Holmes attempted 31. Uh, John Hare asked, uh, if you had to wear one step over T for the rest of your life, which one would it be? Oh, well, my answer is not exciting. Um, I have a crew neck of the uh, Unknown Trophy one, which is the Larry O'Brien trophy done in the style of Joy Division's Unknown Pleasures album cover. Uh, and I just really love that one. And I spent a lot of t- long time working on that. And also the crew neck is just very comfortable. The crew neck sweatshirt. So. That's, that's one that appeals to a very wide audience. What's your definition of wide, man? <laughs> People who know what the NBA trophy looks like and also love Joy Division? <laughs> Yes, I guess that's pretty. Like I wide. said, a very, a very, a very uh, incredibly wide audience, accessible T-shirt. Yeah, for the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite, if I, my favorite is probably, uh, it's probably different than which one I'd wear all the time. My favorite is probably the one I'm wearing actually right now, which is um, Doctor J and Be- and Larry Bird ch- choking each other out. That one is it's kind of like a framed framed image of that in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's. It looks nice. It's on a black shirt. Looks pretty cool. Um, if I had to wear one, it'd probably be our pride shirt. I'm I actually think it's a really nice design, and it's like a little understated. Like this is a little aggressive, yeah. to like show up anywhere like civil, right? With like a picture of like, and, and if you don't know what an itch, like, why are these two people choking each other? Like literally right. choking each other out, and like every bird's about to punch Doctor J in the face mm-hmm. in, on my shirt. Like the, the pride shirt is like a little more understated. Uh, also just like kind of goes with anything because it's black with all different colors on it yeah uh i'm actually wearing the pride shirt right now i have it in gray nice and we have it in hats now and all proceeds from that shirt go to attic youth center yes yeah so that's a good one though that's a you good can answer. find the link to that on the step over t's uh twitter account yes I ran out of questions um, that I had um, flagged, so you can take those. I, I, have, I have one. Uh, a Dubal Herrera's, Fro- Herrera's Frosted Tips. Nice. Love it. Uh, asked us, why on earth would anyone want Jamal Crawford on the Sixers? My answer is, I don't know. I think the answer is, the last time the people who want him on the Sixers watched basketball, he was good. Well, if you've, if you've watched any Ball is Life mixtapes of the cro- of the crossover pro right. happening in Seattle right now, I, I will say, like... Jamal Crawford, if you knew nothing about basketball and only watched Ball is Life and only watched, like, the, the compilation stuff on YouTube, you would fucking think he's Michael Jordan. Yeah. Like, he is the greatest player of all time in that program. And it's, like, it's not even, like, oh, yeah, like, he just does flashy stuff. It's, like, no, like, he makes every shot. Yeah. And he, like, throws these insane pass, like, full court, like, uh Pistol Pete passes and stuff. It's like he's better. Somehow he's just better when he doesn't give a shit. Oh, it's almost like he's better when he's uh, playing against guys who aren't professional. Hey, don't you dare say that about Tony Roden. That's exactly what I was is pointing a, out. A regular at the crossover program. The, you know, I, I um, always say that Christian Wood is a Summer League Hall of Famer and Tony Roden is a crossover program Hall of Famer. Yes. Uh, I, I want Jamal Crawford. I mean, if it's like between him and nobody... And, like, they're just not going to use the MLE. Sure, give it to Jamal. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. That's kind of fun. Right. I'm not expecting a ton, but, like, it's it's in that scenario where where uh, Markel Fultz is, gets hurt or some you know somebody in that rotation gets hurt and Zaire Smith isn't back that I kind of want a guy like that who could just fill some minutes and, like, score a little bit off the bench. And, like, there's always a chance that that kind of guy has, like, a Lou Williams kind of – I mean, he's old, right? He's, like, 39 years old. But there's a chance that, like – He'll be 39 in March. Yeah, there's a chance that he comes in and it's like fine, like the way Marco Bellinelli was for the Sixers last year. It's kind of that same idea. Do you think um, if they brought the Sonics back and they put Jamal Crawford and Tony Roten on it, they'd be like incredible? Is it you think like they're like they're actually just like really really good when they're in Seattle? I think that's kind of part of yeah, it. Yeah, right. No Spencer Hawes though. No, I could I could do without that. Yeah. Um. I think that's pretty much all we got yeah i think that's it um yeah so i mean we we ran down the whole st- the whole new situation at the beginning but you know 
go back and listen if you forgot what we said because <laughs> I forgot what we said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we'll have we'll have a you know we'll be doing some tweets about it that you'll probably see. Um, that will be in the future from when we record this, but in the past from when you hear it. Uh, we'll pin some tweets. We'll put all the information out there. Um, and yeah, we just want to you know first of all thanks for, for listening to the first sixty seven episodes of this podcast. Do you think anyone's? Do you think anyone's listened to every single one of these? I know I haven't. I certainly have not. Somebody, somebody definitely has. There are a lot of podcasts that I've like. Uh, shout out to uh, uh, cur- new current employer Vox Media. Uh, I would say I've listened to since finding the weeds, uh, which is like a politics and policy podcast, basically uh, where they take like one topic every week and just nerd out about mm-hmm. it like that's like a weekly podcast that i don't think i've missed one in since i found it like a year and a half ago right. so if you found us early and you're someone who like doesn't have that many podcasts in your rotation maybe you have listened to them yeah all. and especially recently where it's like you only got to listen like one every other month right to to hear us that's true um, that's tough though it's it's been two plus years that's that's a long time yeah. to listen to every episode if you have the tweet at us, that'd be that'd be cool to yeah. know. Leave us a review in which you say that. Actually, all of you should. say Yeah, that. you should all Nobody lie knows. to us. They don't. They don't know. I don't know. iTunes doesn't know if people listen or no, not. Okay. They probably do. Actually, yeah, yeah, they, they probably do. Yeah, you're right. They probably sold that data. Oh, 100. percent Anyway, uh, yeah, that was all the stuff I wanted to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll you know, if you have any, first of all, if you have any questions about the new situation, feel free to tweet at us. Um, at Max on Twitter, at JimmyDare3, also at uh, The Step Over Pod, right? That's it? Yeah. Yes, I, the Step Over I Pod. I'm not sure if it's just Step Over Pod, but it's The Step Over Pod. Okay. Uh, yeah, and we'll be back more frequently with better podcasts, I promise. Uh, and we're excited. This is going to be cool. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later.